0: This is Jocko podcast number 299 with Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. So there is a video and it's it's out there in the world on YouTube or whatever. You can find it and it's it's a video of the Battle of Ramadi in 2006 in the summertime and there's this big firefight going on. And you can tell it's pretty intense there's machine gun fire a bunch of people putting rounds downrange people are yelling and barking out orders and passing information and you can kind of put together that they're working to get a bomb dropped from air support on a vehicle that the insurgents had been utilizing and fighting from and they they get the bomb run and right as the right as the bomb is about to hit there's a lull in the gunfire because guys are taking cover you know as that bomb is gonna hit and then so there's a lull in the fire and then the bomb hits and there is a massive explosion and you hear like a couple hoots and then you hear this you hear this bellowing laughter from one person. And you can tell the, the laughter is sort of, it's some surprise, it's some excitement, it's some level of relief, and some, it's also just some twisted dark military humor <laughs> that's making this person bellow out with this laughter. And I watch that video sometimes and i listen to that video sometimes not for the firefighter not for the bomb drop but to hear that laugh that laugh is coming from seth stone and you don't see him on camera but if you knew seth then that laugh is unmistakable and that's what i like to hear And that's reflective of life because Seth was he was tough and he was brave and he was smart and he was creative and he was a combat leader but above all those characteristics what I like to remember most about him now now that he's gone is his laugh and humor is a blessing and laughter is an antidote to pain and suffering and anguish. And sometimes it's the only relief for those things. I have another friend who once told me everybody's got their Vietnam. (laughs) And in this particular case he was talking about the fact that his first girlfriend when he was a kid was older than him and was bigger than him, and she would just pick him up and kiss him against his will, and there wasn't anything he could do about it, and so he just had to deal with it. He just had to get through it. Everybody's got their Vietnam, he told me. And he wasn't in Vietnam, nor was he even a veteran, but he was just adding humor to life but there is some truth to that statement everybody struggles in life and those struggles vary some struggles we face are imposed on us by the world some struggles we face are imposed on us by ourselves they also vary in intensity and consequence and depending on who you are when it's your problem when it's your struggle that's the world And as was with Seth, one of the best ways to overcome struggle is humor, comedy. And that same friend of mine certainly has used humor to get through his life, to get through some of his struggles, and some of those struggles more severe than just getting kissed by a seventh grader. His name is Theo Vaughn, and he's here with us tonight to share some of his struggles and some of the lessons he's learned in making everyone laugh as a comedian in order to overcome those struggles that we all face. Theo, Theo Vaughn, thanks for coming by, man.
1: Good to be here, man. Thank you guys for having me. Um, what's going on? Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about Mr. Stone, man. I didn't know that guy, but definitely i never been through anything like Basmati. You know, I mean, I've had their rice, I guess. I don't even know what I've had. I think. I don't know. I mean, I, I, yes, I have had it, and I, I think I've, I'm going to say I have. And it's actually one of my favorite. I like a long— uh, So prefer-
0: basmati is a kind of rice? I think it is. Echo, confirm?
2: I, I can neither— Come on, Come bro. For, nor did but Jasmine If anybody rice. at
1: this table has, has more, <laughs> had more experience with rice, I'm going to say it's you, brother, to be <laughs> yeah. honest, man. Spossible. No yeah. offense, dude. That, that's but. an advanced rice. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sorry. But, um, yeah, man, I never had anything like that. But, yeah, I think – yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just happy to be here, man. I, I think, yeah, everybody does have their own – Vietnam, you know in some ways sometimes they're small and sometimes they're big, you know sometimes they're on the inside of us and sometimes they're on the outside Yes, yeah, I was uh
0: one of my kids came home and this was I was still in the Navy at the time and I came home and there was like wars going on and there Was something happening overseas and I was trying to contend with how we're gonna get guys prepared for this combat situation and I came home one time and You know one of my kids complained about something and it was some kind of real struggle. I forget what it was but I remember at first I was kind of like, "What are you kidding me? We're at war." <laughs> I didn't say those words. I was able to keep myself in check. But what I realized was, whatever you're doing in life, that's 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 the, that's your world, right? And so when that world gets tough and you don't know anything else, man, that that struggle that is your Vietnam. Yeah, <laughs> and that's where people end up. Whether it's you know some girl kissing on you when you're. Whatever, Susanna, dude.
1: <laughs> well, the tough part was other people were walked. Like the bigger boy, like my brother and his friends, the bus would pick them up first. And so then it would come and get me. And so that's when she would pick me up. And it was like my first girlfriend. So I was also like excited kind of to have her. But I was kind of embarrassed, honestly, to have her like in front of – I didn't want every – I was just kind of – she was just tougher than me, you know? She played, I think, baseball, you know? And she could've played softball. Right, right. So She just opted. Yeah, dude, I mean, she was doing that, you yeah. know? So yeah, dude, they didn't even have that back then.
0: So let's get let's get into, uh, for the people, a lot of people don't know who you are, I guess, that might listen to this podcast. I know you're really uh, famous as a comedian, right?
1: Yeah. That's I'll, the deal? Yeah, I'm doing well as a comedian, man, and so I'm grateful to have that. I'm, I'm happy to be here today with you guys, man. You no, I really am. Thanks so, for having me.
0: So you grew up. Where, where were you born?
1: I was born in um, Louisiana. I was born in Louisiana, in uh, Covington, Louisiana. So not a real po- – I mean, it's a good place. We have tallest statue of Ronald Reagan. That's cool. And um, he's never seen it, but we got it. <laughs> so if there's ever, like
0: – What's the connection with Ronald Reagan? I think it's made Reagan? out
1: of copper, too. So, like, homeless dudes are always trying to, like, get in there and ship his thumbs <laughs> off and and, you know – uh, get the reimbursement but uh um, <laughs>
0: well, why why reagan Is he connected to that town at all
1: they just somebody dug him somebody that had enough mm-hmm. copper enjoyed him and i think donated <laughs> it to the city to be no, honest
0: no your dad was like a older gentleman when you were born
1: oh yeah yeah my dad was 70 years old my dad was born in 1910 and um and he was from nicaragua and he was uh so he was a senior citizen when I met him, you know, <laughs> so.
0: And he was from Nicaragua. Yeah. Now, I, I I saw that he was from Bluefield, Nicaragua.
1: Yeah, he's from Bluefield. I've never been there, but I heard a lot of, I've heard it's a tough place to be sometimes because of their politics, but I heard it's really nice.
0: I heard that, and I don't know, what, what's. so what's your dad's, like, background? Was he from there? Because I, I guess this place was kind of settled by European pirates. Oh,
1: damn. Have you heard this? Yeah, I don't know what my dad was doing was younger. I never even seen any younger pictures of him, so I don't know. <laughs> no
0: eye patches. All yeah, I've never seen. Pictures? Yeah, <laughs>
1: I've never seen him. You know, hanging out with a parrot. I've never seen any of his. You know, past work. When I knew him, it, this you know it was just a lot of stories, and there was more like the stories. By the time I met him, mm-hmm. and stories, you know they they get barnacles on them over time. They gain traction. They get tread. They get they take different avenues, and so by the time I knew him, it was more. I was kind of left with the, you know, just the stories, you know, the refined stories, you know. Um, What what he? How do he end up in America? I don't know, man. I really don't know. And those are things I wish that I'd have been able to know better. And I think those are things where sometimes, like for me anyway, where I feel disconnection sometimes is not having had that, you know, some of those types of conversations when I was old enough to kind of care, you know. Yeah, when I was, like, 12, once I got to, like, 12 or 13, I kind of, I was, like, I mean, it was kind of embarrassing. You know, having such an older dad, my dad would fall. He'd be asleep at, like, events. He would fall asleep at the um, carpool. When he'd come pick us up, he'd fall asleep. And so the lady had to go wake him up. It was always, like, so much extra stuff that you don't think you have to deal with. As a kid, just a lot of, like, ugh, you know. Yeah. So, um. But, yeah, he was cool, though, man. It was also interesting. You know, he knew a lot of people that were about to die. Everybody introduced me to was about to die. So. <laughs> and
0: what, what was the deal with your mom? I, I mean, he must have been some kind of a, you know, he must have had some cool characteristics.
1: Because how old was your mom? My mom was 32 when I was born. And he didn't Damn. have any money. So I don't know who would bang an old dude with no money, bro. That's <laughs> insane. That is Pioneer Apparently, Woman, dude. Yeah. That's I, the I know bestie. one woman that yeah. would. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're related to yeah, her. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, that is a Pioneer Woman. Do you want what, to talk about a Pioneer Woman? Was he it's super
0: suave or something? Was he super like?
1: He had a comb, I remember, that he kept in his pocket. <laughs> Maybe he was. It was. Pretty dope. He had a nice one of those small combs men used to keep. And, and, they still and, keep them in Cuba a lot of times. You see a lot of Cuban men still got that small comb on them. Mm-hmm. And you think that might
0: have been the critical factor for, for your mom, looking at him, thinking, damn, look at that comb. I think in a small <laughs> town, you know, it's just that
1: something like that could stand
0: out. <laughs> was your mom from Covington, Louisiana, too?
1: She was from Illinois, so she's just a real hard-working lady. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother really likes to work hard, and she's oh delivered newspapers and stuff when I was a kid and delivered all type of stuff. Um, oh, she used to deliver cookies for a little while for some company, dude, and I'd go lay in her car at night and just lay on t- on the box and just eat them bitches, right? Mm. Just just imagine being the almost as big as the box, and you're just laying on it, and you're opening up. And that's my Vietnam. You're in the dark. You're trying to be quiet, dude. And sometimes they would tape them extra, you know, and you're like, I'm going to be all right. And you just You get in, and you're just as many cookies as you could have, man. Oh, yeah. You're laying on them. Your mouth's laying open on them.
0: Like chocolate chip cookies?
1: Nah, these, I remember the ones they had were kind of uh, a hard kind of yellow cookie with a bit of a uh, kind of those granulated sugar kind of squares. Looked like glitter on the top. Oh, yeah, yeah. The shortbread one. I don't know. I, it, was, it was good.
0: I was excited about your story. Like, I could picture that, but I, I just don't feel like chalk. I'd feel like cookies. Mm-hmm. There's chocolate chip cookies, and then everything else is kind of just not in the same ballpark.
1: I don't know if I'd agree with that, sir.
0: I mean, we don't have to agree on everything. Yeah. I'm just giving you my perspective. Yeah,
1: no, and I appreciate you giving it to me, man. <laughs> and I would probably, I'd watch you eat a chocolate chip cookie. I think you know. I'd watch. I wonder what would be fun to watch you eat. You know. I don't know. A mango, I bet, would be pretty fun. I don't even do. like mango. Huh? Oddly enough, then yeah. that would make it better for us.
0: No, I. I in fact, I don't really. I've. Like I grew up, my my we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up, and so we ate a lot of hamburgers, right? Like in the morning, I would have a uh, hamburger on an English muffin, and oh, then for yeah. lunch I would have hamburger on bread, and then for dinner I'd have hamburger on a bun. So you get, you know, all meals could be burgers. Yeah. <laughs> <Guess what? laughs> but I didn't really, I didn't even like steak until I was maybe like twenty two or twenty three. Oh yeah, yeah, because you just it did, didn't taste good to me i mean i would think why not just grind this thing up and put it on a put it into a patty yeah with <laughs> some ketchup jokes. on it. yeah so i don't know maybe it's funny to watch me eat a burger on a muffin for breakfast
1: yeah i could see i i think that would be a unique show watching strong men eat stuff that's a little <laughs> bit more dainty <laughs> You know, maybe have a Petty 4 or some kind of a unique, a delectable, you know, kind of a cookie from another country or something. I can see that. (laughs) You can't even manage it with your fingers, you know. It's almost like a grenade almost to to a regular guy, Mm. you know.
0: Mm. Uh, Did your mom and dad stay together?
1: They stayed together for a while, man. They had four children and... um, and then I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, and that's kind of when I started to become like mentally, uh, you know, aware of my world. And yeah, at that point, my dad was older. He didn't live with us, and then, um, yeah, we just had four children, and my mom was working a lot, and that's where we were. So your mom basically ended up as a single mom. Yeah, she ended up as a single mom, and and yeah, and I don't know. I, 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 you would almost, ha- I don't know what you would expect, kind of having a child or children with the older man. You know what kind of expectations you might have, um, but, but I don't know. You know I don't know what kind of comfort she needed in her world. Maybe she needed to have a family. I don't know what she needed uh, at that time, but um, yeah. And so they had they had children, and then my dad was kind of gone, and then I got a little ashamed of my, I got embarrassed a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was just at that age, I think, where children get. Where they're if they're not like other children, if the, anything's out of the norm, then they feel like something's wrong with them or they feel just embarrassed. I'm sure you've you seen it with your children. Did, was yeah, there a yeah. time where they get embarrassed? Yeah,
0: it doesn't, I don't think it matters if you're, uh, you know, like Tom Brady, your kids are gonna be embarrassed of you. -hmm. Or or like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, your kids will be like, oh, here comes the big idiot again. (laughs) Like, I don't think it matters (laughs) who you are. There's gonna be, your kids are gonna go through an age period where they're embarrassed by you. Yeah. And then you gotta kind of like just work through it, I guess. And hopefully you come out the other side and they realize, oh, you know, dad's not too bad. Mm -hmm. But I guess the weird thing you said, like your mom's expectations, I mean, the fact of the matter is, He's 70 Yeah. you're born. I mean, expectations are they're not even expectations. Facts are he ain't going to be around all that much longer. Right.
1: You know, yeah, so that's she a limited had a time kinda, offer. Yeah. That's a so, limited time. That's got an expiration date on it. So she
0: signed up for, because she kind of signed up for that activity.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and, and I think when, sometimes i it's hard to not hold that angst when I look at my life in places that were uncomfortable for me as a child, like um, and I'm not complaining, I'm just trying to share some of you know share what some of that was like for me, but um, yeah, I think there was times where it's like, uh, you felt like you weren't part of a plan, like nobody planned, or if you were, it was a plan that was um destined to fail, you know what I'm saying, and so then that almost makes you feel like well, what's going on if my commander-in-chief here, my mother or something, set me up in this plan that doesn't seem like it has. Statistically, this doesn't seem super smart.
0: Now, 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 how old were you when you started having thoughts like that? I, I was Because, it, you know, you, that, those are kind of thoughts. When I was a kid, like I was just thinking, you know, machine gun, throwing rocks, uh, you know, taking apart pieces of furniture. Yeah. I mean, just talking ignorant stuff. Yeah. And it seems like you're sitting here thinking about the grand scheme and all these plans. Like how, how old were you when you started going down that road?
1: Uh, I don't think I was old. I think I was older when I, I when I started realizing that stuff.
0: Okay, so this is like looking back.
1: Yeah, a lot of this, that's looking back. Um, but I think at the time, I'm dealing with the ramifications of some of that without knowing it, mm-hmm. without always wondering, well, what, why do I feel certain ways or why do I behave certain ways?
0: So. Like a subconscious, that's probably just it, probably just a subconscious feeling of, man, this doesn't seem like this is going to, even as a little kid, you're like, man, we're eating ramen again? Right. Who came up with this plan?
1: Right. Yeah. There's just no plan. Like mom's working. There's no dad's so old. So you start to get concerned for your dad's health, then you have this weird, uncomfortable thing where you're supposed to be kind of a child and be free to just not have any worries, but you have these weird extra worries of like, you know, your dad is getting older, you know? And so, I remember being like eight years old and walking to church with my dad, we had a church a few blocks away, and he would ask me what the, where he could walk and stuff, because of the sidewalks in Louisiana, the, the roots come up mm-hmm. through them, just like kneecaps, just like, you know, you got a thousand long-legged men buried right there under the sidewalk, you know, and some of them's, you know, you know, they just, it's just real femery along those, you know, the sidewalks will do a damn, they'll be in a damn trapezoid or something, half of it. Dude, if you take the sidewalk, honestly, it can take you more time to get where you're going, you know what I'm saying? The street is, much, the sidewalk's like the Oregon Trail, bro. There's natives under part of it, I mean, it gets real dicey. So I remember walking with my dad, and he's like, "Can I walk here?" and stuff like that. So then, you're, I remember getting in this weird space of like um, just hyper concern and uh, awareness. That's what I think it was. Awareness. So then, I had a lot of awareness. So,
0: so did that lead to? Uh, you said behaviors. What kind of behaviors do you think that this is a situation where you where you act, get in trouble in school, where you you know, turning into the delinquent kid? Were you trying to work real hard to make sure you always had money? I mean, what, what, how did you react to this situation?
1: Well, I think looking back on it, and it's interesting because in my life right now, I've been doing a lot of work on this kind of stuff specifically, like trying to just just get enough comfort in the sediment or those sedimentary layers, those real, like, just those deep layers. It's hard for me to plant roots, I notice, in my adult life. And I think it's because something's the soil's just it's just not enough room in that soil from when I was a when I was younger, Um, and I wouldn't care if I was able to plant things in my life that would would be able to grow effectively, but I've had trouble doing that, like relationships, commitment to things, wanting to start like a family or have a relationship, but struggle with it. So, and sorry, this isn't very funny, dude. I feel bad, guys. You know, the one day, I mean, everybody on y'all show somebody's dying. Or, you know, if somebody got <laughs> naded out, bro, and then I'm supposed to come in and add some relief and I'm sitting here. I don't think
0: know. there's there's no one really that tunes into my podcast that's expecting or anticipating or is going to be let down if they're not, you know, we're,
2: if there's right. not levity
0: in the situation. It's okay. You don't have to be funny here. You can just talk about just mayhem and, and death as far as I'm concerned. It will still be good yeah. to go.
1: Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um. One of the things that I would know that I noticed now looking back is that I didn't whenever I realized that that was my life situation, that my dad was real older and that my mom was working all the time, um, I didn't believe that the world was a comfortable place for me. So as a real young kid, I just there was enough elements in the atmosphere where I just made that choice as a my spirit made the choice, whatever it is, something inside of me. It wasn't a choice I made like I would make a choice now. It's like I don't trust the world to be a safe place for me. Uh, So whatever brought me into this world, whatever the elements are, these are not trustworthy elements. Um, And not that I would treat them untrustworthy. not that I'd be mean to them, but just in my spirit knows that you have to take care of yourself. So then you start to try and manage everything yourself. So I was always really concerned with uh, the only thing I had left then. Like people would look at me, you know, the bus dropped me off like in the poor neighborhood. And my dad was so old and my mom was always gone, working. She wasn't like a mom some of the other kids had. So, um, So the only thing I could control was me, how you saw me. That was it. The only piece of my image I had was what you saw of me. So... I would, like, bike to school so I didn't have to get off the poor bus. I would, like, um, befriend certain kids so you thought I was in a certain group. Uh, I just – I was hyper-concerned with kind of image management because it's all I had left. You know, I wouldn't – I try not to be seen around my family. I kind of – because I just didn't want – I don't know. I was just hyper-concerned with the only thing that I had that I still had control over was my own – image really and this Does is that make any sense. yeah it anything? makes sense
0: but it's like it, this is something that you're realizing reflectively looking back like at the time you were like you weren't consciously saying oh I, i'm i'm embarrassed so i'm gonna do this you were just like man i, I don't really want to get on that bus or get off that bus so i'm just gonna bike to school that seems like a smart thing to do
1: right i think but i start to add, i had so much awareness i think i just so aware always and so then um you know i just i think i was making choices that i didn't want people to see me a certain way how am i going to be so then i got stuck in this how can i manage what people think of me you so know? was
0: the was the was the image that you wanted to project cuz you could see there's plenty of people that they're in those kind of rough situations and they're you know some people go all right i'm going to get straight a's and i'm going to go to a good college i'm going to do all this other stuff or some people are, well i'm going to become a uh, you know i'm going to become a the toughest delinquent that there can be and people are going to be scared of me so you know you get someone going towards like the gang life or whatever what was it that you were kind of moving towards were you an athlete were you playing sports
1: yeah, we played some decent sports in our neighborhood, dude, and it was real dicey, bro. We had a lot of people, man. We had one dude who would sneak, man. We'd play football, and he'd bring matches with him and burn you while he was doing defense, <laughs> bro. And that's crazy when you're thinking, okay, who's guarding me? You know, yeah. Thomas, this kid Thomas, dude, and he's just matching you down when you're, you know, if you're not making cuts real hard. So, so just some shit like that, man. We played in this one field that had a big hole right in the middle of it, dude. Or not to the middle, but off off to the side We had this church football field, man. And uh, damn, people would go missing in that bitch, son. You know, I mean, there's a couple. They had a family of eleven that I swear to God, after a long game, was a family of ten. Dog, they lost somebody in there, little Jennifer or somebody. But I remember they would, dude. I remember they would make girls. They would put them on the football field playing football, just in the neighborhood, spray paint a number on this one kid's back, just all kind of shit, man. Fun stuff, though, looking back. What, um,
0: what about organized sports in high school? Did you play basketball? I got into that so when I was 11.
1: Then? I got into that when I was 11. So, yeah, I think uh, one thing, we just were around our neighborhood a lot. We'd get we'd get home from school, and we would just be up to our own devices, you know. Um, but one thing I started to notice was, like, uh, I didn't – I had a real untrustworthy relationship with the world. So I was always worried about – I think what people were thinking of me, and I felt like people didn't like me. I felt like I think because sometimes, um, I don't know if I was just such an uncomfortable kid sometimes that I needed laughter. So I always felt like if you were laughing, you couldn't dislike me and laugh at the same moment. Mm -hmm. Like at that moment, like it was down to that moment. Like when you were done laughing, I didn't know what you thought of me. You know, and it was kind of scary because um, I think I didn't think much of myself, and so the only way I had to feel about myself from moment to moment was how other people felt about me. You know, if I'm real honest, and so, um, so I think that's why I needed laughter because it was like, oh man, if I can get, it was the only thing I trusted is that there's no way somebody could be laughing and I can see them laughing and having joy and and hate me at the same time you know it was just so that was like that was the only equation that made that to me was undeniable Mm -hmm. and I think that's and I was a hypersensitive kid you know other people aren't as sensitive and so they're able you know they can manage things better I was hypersensitive you know um, so I'm really grateful that God gave me whatever I needed to be able to find humor you know Um, because there was other kids in my neighborhood and in the environment that that in my family didn't get that and so it's and and I'm not trying to get any self-pity I'm just trying to share what I'm thinking Mm -hmm. and feeling at the same time you know Uh, and a lot of this is stuff I've been working through recently like in the past few weeks pretty heavily and so a lot of it's real fresh on my brain as well you know
0: yeah, well, it's scary about well, not scary. I, from your perspective, is the minute someone stops laughing, you just want to try and make them laugh again, so you can get that get that get that good feeling back.
1: Yeah, well, it's that safe feeling. I just need to. It's like, man, this is a place where I feel okay if they're laughing. You know. Um, so yeah, so I think, and I wasn't like a goofy dude. I wasn't like farting in the pudding or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't some, you know, b- booty creep or something. I just liked saying things, and and I was real aware, so I would see things kind of going on. I think I was real aware, and so, so it was fun to be able to get people to laugh at moments where you didn't think they were, and then you start managing laughter because laughter becomes your main tool that you have to feel okay, and so then you start using laughter almost like you're calling plays and stuff, and you have these little... Those are my weapons, you know. Mm-hmm. That was my knives, that was my fists even. You mm-hmm. know, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of physical confidence, so, so laughter was it really for me. That was my biceps, you know.
0: It seems like too, uh, there's an opportunity for someone that's in your position where you have this kind of like insecurity and kind of a little bit of a paranoia against the world to go down the path of like drug and alcohol abuse and we all know where that path ends up if we stay on it so how how did that enter your life I mean, what what about there had to be drugs and alcohol down there what was what was that like what was that influence how how did you manage that part of the world
1: yeah you know that's interesting you know i have family members in my own close family that have suffered with addiction and stuff like that um And I really love, and I also love thinking about this kind of stuff. Like, this kind of stuff for me, talking about feelings and stuff. Some people say, well, you know, feelings is the past, and actions is what matters. And that's true. I believe that. Like, I can think all day, and it's probably not going to help me act any different. And I know in my own life, if I do act a certain way, my thoughts will follow me. My thoughts really are your troops, really. You know, uh um they say in a lot of recovery rooms that you can't think your way in the right action but you can act your way in the right thinking it's a common term and it's easy for uh people that struggle with um addiction or addictive personalities to understand that it's real simple um so sorry what was the question i feel a little bit nervous
0: just just as far as what you know, how old were you when alcohol got introduced? How old were you? Oh yeah. You, where oh, you-
1: dude, I remember. I found some liquor on a, some, uh, Alize liquor, or something, peach mango starburst baby breath watermelon something, dude, on the top <laughs> shelf, dude. It was nine different colors, bro. And I found some nudie mags up there too. Same time, titty literature. <laughs> So next thing you know, dude, I'm ejaculating and just, just. Li- I remember falling off the shelf. I found on, I never made it off the top shelf, dude, I was there about four hours, dude. I'd never been on the top shelf, you know? I don't come from a real balancing family. So I'm up there, dude, I'm drinking, I'm fucking masturbating, you know? And then I remember just blacking out and falling off that shelf. And I probably fell, man, I bet six and a half feet, almost eight feet, so not far.
0: And how old are you at this time?
1: Oh, I was probably about 13, you mm-hmm. know? And so then, but I had other family members who were struggling with drugs and alcohol, so I had this really, I didn't see that, uh, I didn't see that as, like, a a way for me to get in a thing. Like, I didn't see that as an escape, really, for yeah. me. So I never used that as an escape, um, but as I got a little bit older in my life, I, I started realizing that I was uncomfortable, uh, and I was... Some of the survival techniques I'd used as a child weren't helping me anymore. Um,
0: you mean even the comedy piece, even making people laugh? Did that start to wear out? Well, or what survival? It was the
1: only connection that I knew, so mm-hmm. I had a tough time making real connections with people, especially women, if I wanted to be in a relationship, or or even I think sometimes friends, or knowing yeah. that a connection was safe, like. Sometimes I'll overdo a connection. Somebody will say, "Yeah, everything's fine, man. We'll be there," and I'll still be hyper worried about it. You know, when it's fine, it's it's somebody else that's totally normal. But um, because some some connections with people are are always feel real new and scary to me. I think I was just scared to make them. Um, So anyway, I started realizing I was having trouble making real connections with people. People would say, "Man, I feel like I don't know you, but I feel like I would be sharing a lot of stuff." Uh, and so then I, I got into I started going to some recovery meetings, 12 step, and I couldn't relate to the drugs and alcohol, but I could relate when people talk about how they felt, you know, just, uh, just the feelings. And so I started learning about, oh, other people feel some of these ways and it's okay to have feelings or to struggle with them and whatever. And so that's when I really started to like being a part of recovery And there's all types of it, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's stuff for everything. There's recovery for people that wear shirts that don't fit Mm -hmm. or that fit too tightly. Yeah.
0: I struggle with that. I gotta, yeah, sorry, and sorry. It's really, it really drags me down hanging around with Echo because well, so, we say, both kind of inability, feel inability, feed inability, off yeah. each other and it just turns into a bad song. I was going to say, I see who your dealer is,
1: obviously, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you guys meeting up behind a freaking auto zone <laughs> to fucking pick up a couple extra smalls, dude. The sad part is there is a small boy out there somewhere right now. <laughs> and
0: he don't have a shirt he don't have a shirt
1: on, <laughs> <dude>. <laughs> Have we talked about that before, Jaco? Did we talk about that? Talk about what? some. Um, Boy with a small shirt. Uh, um, I don't know if we talked about that. So yeah, so I think that's where I found twelve step was interesting. And then that was I, pretty. That was later in life, right? Yeah, that was later in life. So for a long time, I think I just I chose comedy because it doing stand up comedy. All it's like a lifestyle of disconnection. You're in town for four or five days, and then you go. So if you have a relationship starting, you're like up. Oh. You know, mm-hmm. gotta go to Chuckle Willy's over in Tacoma. You know, <laughs> and so it's like you're out of town, and then, and then you're in a new place where you can have something. You know, it's like the the moss of life never has a chance to grow on you. Really, you keep outrunning the moss. Really, and the moss is things that that. Or real or you know or barnacles anything that it just you just evade things enough and comedy just offered me that. I don't even know if I wanted to be a comedian. I think I wanted to not have to be somewhere.
0: So what how old were you when you did your first, you know, got on stage and did your first stand-up gig?
1: Let me think, man. It was Rwanda, dude. I think it was 2001. It was midnight. I was in a, I think I was in a foxhole or a falcon nest or something. I don't know what was happening. We couldn't see. and we got a bad batch of banana taffy from a local. Shit was dicey. There were fire fire ants. There was a there was not yeah not firefight. There was actual fire ants in the hole. Even it was worse. Bad. Yeah. Um, no, sorry. I'm just trying to um trying to make you laugh a little, but um. Was it local? Oh, yeah. I went to a school. Oh, when I was, oh, I remember. Well, the best thing was just at the lunch table with your friends. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing you're always chasing as a comedian is just being in an environment where – you're just making your friends laugh, you know. Um, But I went to a class in Los Angeles. A lot of people don't even know that. I went to a class. Like a comedy class? Yeah, like one you see written, like just like putting those cheesy orange (laughs) letters on the side of a strip mall. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was
0: always wondering who signed up for those things. There you go, apparently they work.
1: (laughs) Dude, and it was so weird. (laughs) There was some guy that worked. Speaking of AutoZone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: (laughs) Your future employment homes. (laughs)
1: Oh, yeah, dude. I think the class was even sponsored by, like, a Pet Boys or some <laughs> quick oil offering outlet. So, man, we were in the, uh, in the class, and it was—but the interesting thing about the class was it was not very—I don't know if it was helpful. It was an environment where you were joking around. But the thing was, at the end of the class, you got to perform on stage at a real comedy club. So that was the thing, and they taped it for you. Mm-hmm. and this— now everybody's got tape. This is back when they had limited amount of tape. Yeah. <laughs> so you had a tape, baby. You had that cassette, dog, you know? And so I remember I got up there and you had to do three minutes, and you were so nervous, but then you had a tape, and so then you felt like, oh, I have a piece of proof, mm-hmm. you know? And then after that, they had a comedy room near me. This gentleman had half a limb. and Wh- he was, Which, which uh, limb? He was missing part of his leg, I mm-hmm. think. Or he said he was. So he could have been faking it, mm-hmm.
0: CGI or something.
1: I don't know what his name was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a CGI. It was no, it was a white dude. <laughs> okay, Jack. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, he opened up a comedy room about two blocks from where I was living in L.A., and I went over there on Wednesdays and. And there was a couple times where I quit. I moved back to New Orleans and they had a comedy room there.
0: How, how are you making money when you're working at? I mean, this guy's, is he even paying you? Or are you paying to, ha- to get to perform or are you paying him? <laughs> oh, there was work? times a lot of it was
1: bringer show. You got to bring people and if you don't bring enough, you have to pay. Hmm. So that was part of it, man. It's a, that's, a under, that's a dirty subculture business of uh, comedy. Did you say bring or show? What would you say? Yeah, they call bringer shows. And you got to bring people with you, and if you don't bring like five people, and the, you know, probably ten dollars to get in mm-hmm. or something, then you have to pay that the difference on the fifty dollars. Dang. So. So this is that's where you start in comedy. That's where it's at. Yeah, that's really where I start. And I, and honestly, man, when I started, I knew I, I knew that I was doing pretty good at it when I started. I knew that I could do it. Mm-hmm. I, I knew that I could do it. And then once the lifestyle came along, where you got to scoot around and be any place that I didn't have to make a real connection, which I didn't realize wasn't a strong suit of mine, really. I didn't really realize it at that point. I didn't really realize I was evading something. I thought I was going towards something. And I think it's probably like that for a lot of us in all types of jobs. You know, sometimes the field I'm chasing, it's it's not so much something that I'm going for as if I can figure out if there's something that I'm trying to be away from, you know? And I mean, that's just for me. I don't know if that's really for everybody.
0: In the, in the SEAL teams, we used to say like,
1: well, you know, if I mean things get bad,
0: you know, you just get, go on a trip, get, get on that plane. everything's Everything's gone, no more problems, you're in some new place, everything's great now. Yeah. That was the, that was the deal. You know, so whatever's happening, you know, you'd have some guy living out here in San Diego. He's having problems with his wife or his girlfriend or whatever. Cool. Going on a trip down a plane. No problems anymore. They're all gone. Similar thing. Yeah. Evading the problems.
1: Yeah. And I was and I didn't. Yeah. And I didn't know I was doing that. Mm -hmm. You know, I just didn't know. And then also you're out there. You have you were able to establish brief relationships, you know, one night stands, you know, a little bit of sex here and there. A little bit of touch and jerking off next to someone, not even sex sometimes. Or even just jerking off by yourself and wishing somebody was there, you know, which is really one of – I mean, that was – that was probably two out of three times. You know, so long as you met I was a decent say, lady. Like
0: only one of those sounded like a relationship. The oh, yeah, other yeah. one sounded like perversion oh, yeah. and the other one just sounded lonely. So I don't know. Where's you know, you're kinda of getting a taste for maybe what a relationship <laughs> yeah. could be.
1: But if you got a good imagination, dude, you could have a real dime right there with you, you know. And I was strong, bro, in the freaking, in that middle freaking cauldron. I was really running some strong soup. So
0: So you would you be out in LA. How long are you out out in LA for? I've been out there, you know, I'd be
1: out there for months at a time. You and know? then
0: what would make you, would you just run out of money and be like, All right, I'm going back to Louisiana? Yeah, basically? something would be
1: uncomfortable. I'd have a long-term, I had a long-term relationship for a little while, which is like the closest relationship I could get into was having one with, a you know, thousands of miles of space in it. And, um, yeah, so I, 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 yeah, and then comedy. But comedy kept doing good. It was like this thing. And when I look back, I really think it was something God that just – you know god just wanted to keep taking care of me you know even though i think when i was young i always when i didn't trust the world i didn't trust god i didn't trust that anybody had like was looking out for me what what years is this This probably 2000 probably 2009 or about 2016 i would say 2007. So, so
0: during this time you're like, what's the progression? Once you once you do good with uh, bring or show, once you get good at that, like okay, now you're almost always going to have people coming in. At what point do you? At what point are you, you thinking to yourself? All right, I can I can live. I can make. I can pay my rent. I can get food from
1: comedy. Right. Well, I got I got a credit card. That's at what point. Okay. When I got that credit card, boy, that Mm -hmm. Delta Reserve, they hit me up in the mail, bro, you know? And I looked at some of the planes online, I said, these people are doing well, I'm open an account with them. (laughs) So I went probably about 30 something thousand dollars in debt over probably about four years, which was a lot of debt when you never have had, you know, $3,000 in a bank account.
0: So for all those years, are you paycheck to paycheck? Yeah. Just paycheck to paycheck. Maybe you have eight hundred bucks in your bank account. Maybe you got a thousand. Maybe you did a good show and you maybe got fourteen hundred. But then you got to buy a new freaking, whatever.
1: Uh, uh, yeah, the next flight usually was the oh, biggest expense. Okay. Was that next flight? So um, this is a struggle. It's a struggle, and it start, It is a struggle, honestly. And I look. I know it's it's a, it's my own struggle. It's the mm-hmm. struggle in that sense. I'm not. Other people have way bigger struggles. But, it's, uh, but that's the struggle part of that job.
0: At a minimum, it's a financial struggle. Yes. And you're, are you looking at it thinking, well, I'll, I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. Like, for the rest of my life, I'm going to be sitting here, you know, going from town to town, making $480 one night. Is that how much you make when you're one of these level comedians?
1: No, I think at that point, if you do a feature weekend somewhere, you can get paid $600 for about five shows. But you have to buy your flight. <laughs> so that takes 300 and if you eat on 80. This is then similar, you're looking at you only know, you know anything
0: about mixed martial arts uh, besides UFC? Like when you're young these fighters like I've trained a ton of fighters that's what they're doing. Yeah. They they're going to fight in Nebraska. They're going to get paid $200 to fight, $200 if they win and the flight out there costs freaking 800 yeah. bucks and they got to pay medical for their oh, checkup. Yeah, they're, it's they're, a freaking yeah. disaster. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're carrying. So this is their, the same thing, right? It really is, man. I think it really is, dude. <laughs> cool. At the end, those guys are carrying. It, they have two of their teeth taped into their belly buttons. <laughs> yeah, they don't oh, forget yeah. them. Yeah, it's yeah. dicey. Uh, yeah, it's just that circuit. It's that circuit. It's the circuit of that thing, and it's um, the benefits are the things that keep that are kind of nice, and especially if you don't know if other people are settling down, getting married, your friends getting real j- jobs that seem more real mm-hmm. on paper. And those things are, I didn't want to be like everybody else. That's the thing I always remember in my head. I just didn't want to be like a lot of people. I wanted to manage my image. The only thing I had was everything else in my life since my birth felt like it was like a sentence. Like, this is who you are. You are somebody who, you know, you're not going to be in a home where you were really loved. You're not. You know, things like that. I'm not complaining. I'm just sharing what I felt like. And some of this might not even be real. That's the crazy part of some Mm -hmm. of this stuff. It could be in your head. But to me, it was very real. Um, So the only thing I could still control was what I, what you saw me, how I, what I was, you know. And I was just going to hold out to try and be something. I I don't even know if I knew what it was. But I was just going to hold out.
0: So when you're a comedian making $600 for five shows in a weekend that you had to pay $740 for your ticket to get out to wherever you were, do you, what, what is making it at that time? Because I think it's changed. And that's where I was trying to wonder what yeah. the time, like nowadays, you know, there's different avenues since uh, social media is out there and you can use that avenue. YouTube, you can use that avenue. There's podcasts, podcast, you can use that. There's all these different avenues, but you go rewind 10 years, like there's none of that oh, just yeah. you can't make a living from YouTube wasn't even a thing, yeah there social was no media way. Was nothing, so you're just just freaking comedy club to comedy club what was quote making it back then okay did you get a did you
1: did you see that as a possibility? I got 3000 I remember they gave me 3000 Did the Comedy Central like 10 minutes or something, and they give you
0: $3,000. $3,000 for Comedy Central. Yeah. You do 10 minutes, they mm-hmm. give you $3,000.
1: Yeah. The
0: big ass network, Comedy Central. I know, I know. That's like these fight organizations, oh, It's it really the exact
1: bro, it same was, thing, dude. man. It's the exact same thing. It was the ultimate Dang. fighting. Com- it was the ultimate. Yeah, it was comedy. It was just, it was like obviously it was just a different day. it was just a different Dana White or it's just a different organization right. you know but then also they had all the eyeballs then they had the eyeballs mm-hmm. and so yeah so you got a little money and then you start to get a little notoriety nori- from the deal from like you could show people oh I really am a comedian that was the that's the scariest part as a comedian because you're a comedian and then do you could tell people you're a comedian, but it's a real weird thing to tell people until you have some proof that you are it, dude. Because unless not, you could be a, just a just a... Yeah, I'm a comedian
0: for all practical you go. purposes, right? You know, Whoa, I'm a comedian? You could be yeah, a murderer. A dude, they Probably have better a f- suited to be a murderer than a comedian, but it's all good. Dude,
1: definitely, man. And I always <laughs> love peeping timing, man. Since I was a kid, dude, I love sure. peeping timing.
0: That's really uh, not one of the best things to t- talk about on the podcast if you want to maintain you know, yourself not being in prison. <laughs> oh, yeah, <that's> true.
1: <laughs> Look, I'm a recovering freaking PT or baby, you know, but that's one thing you need about recovery and being in the circles. I have friends that are flashers, dude. I have friends yeah. that have done. I mean, I have friends that have just gone and knocked on the devil's door, dude, and waited there until he opened it. You know what I'm saying, bro? And the devil works overtime. Yeah, so he's, rarely is he home. He's, tw- you know? he's 24 yeah, seven yeah. opening that door up. So if you're people. milling out there, just hanging on that freaking welcome mat, um
0: so so Comedy Central. You, you got get that this money. Thing,
1: and now you're kinda of, I mean
0: other com comedians are looking at you. Kind of other, yes. But, but also other comedians, you're kinda of like elevated, right? Yeah, you started to get elevated. You're sort of the, the man.
1: Yeah, a little bit. You get enough that boost that then it tells you, Okay, this path is starting to choose you. There's I think there's a unique <laughs> moment in different paths where you're cho- you're 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 putting yourself into the path and then the path is also saying, Hey, you know, putting its hand out son. Mm-hmm. And I do believe that for comedians, man. At a certain point, it kind of chooses you.
0: So once you do Comedy Central, now are, when you're going to a comedy club, are you headlining now?
1: You have a credit. Sometimes. You're getting close, and you're starting to headline. And then you get like 1500 a week. So that's when you can start to save a little money. And um, and you're not selling tickets, though. You were just—most people are coming. There's a few people come to see you, maybe 10, 15 people. But also back then, the— the clubs had all the email lists. They were oh, the gatekeeper, so yeah. they, you know, you don't have all that. You can start to put it together. We'd put the cards on the table, fill it out, and like, but then you're coming before you have to do that. And, and I did it all, man. Put the boxes with the cards. Do
0: you, are you, Do you have a manager or whatever like that
1: thing is? Yeah, you have a manager that helps you through the agencies to get booked. Got it. but you don't have. Are they taking their cut? Yeah, they take their cut. So you're getting
0: fifteen hundred bucks, and they're
1: taking one fifty. Yeah, one fifty. And then the agent would take one fifty and so then you down to twelve there. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, you still grinding and I still didn't have any other in life there's only so you 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 I find you I'm either doing something that I want to be doing or I'm attaching my life to other people and maybe starting a family kinda of, there's not really a ton of different things mm-hmm. to do, you know? <laughs> really. I mean you just so I, I didn and I didn't have anything on that other side of the coin. I didn't have any place where I felt like I could make a commitment or start a family. So I'm like, well, this is this shoe just fits so well right now. How how many days a year are you touring at this time? Oh, I did, man. I probably did forty eight weeks a year. I toured hard, man. I toured I toured hard, man. I really did. And sometimes and here's the crazy thing. This is one thing I notice about a brain or somebody that has has maybe issues with Alcoholism, stuff like that. My brain forgets that. My brain <laughs> forgets for, what? Forgets all that I did, all that work. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, so my brain every day has this weird governor in it that's like, man, you, you got to do something, man. You know, you haven't done anything. You know, I got this weird, and I sometimes I don't know where some of that comes from, and and those are things I still want to figure out in my life. You know, where does that come from? You know, some of those things. So. Those are things I love kind of thinking about and talking with people about is like, um, well, yeah, where do these weird like this weird legal system that's that I built into my soul? Where does that? Where does that all come from? And and it's interesting. You can figure some of the times you can figure some of that out by talking with other people about uh, that sort of thing. Anyway,
0: what do you feel like the prosecution and the defense are, are arguing over with the legal system that's in your head?
1: But the prosecution is always just a never – there was never, like, a a base foundation that I'm okay. So when I don't have that, then anything else has a really good chance of infiltrating and getting really into me because there never was this – like, I had a friend one time who just texted me. He said, hey, man, you're okay, you know, just out of the blue. Because he knows. We talked about stuff. He's in recovery. And man, that shit just hit me. Like never in my life had I just heard that. or And it just came through it a certain way where I heard it. I was like, oh, man. And just, I'm just like, ball. I'm just like. So I think just when you don't have that weird, that foundation of that, anybody just telling you that or the world or just like you feeling it, you know, then you feel sometimes you always will feel susceptible to any other. Well, then, of course, you have to build your own thing in your head that's like you got to get going you got to get you got to pull yourself up by the bootstraps you so you do that but then after you doing well even that thing's still going on that's a childhood system you put in that bitch is loose dude and that bitch is out there fucking party and got tits dude you know what i'm saying it's turning up and it's fucking dude and it just doesn't there's no control but that thing has been with you for so long that it's hard to get new systems in place to stop those survival things because something had to be in my head to tell me to keep going. you know. Uh, but as you get older, it's, it's just still running on the same childhood s- system, the same original DOS or whatever, Microsoft DOS. Mm-hmm. So. Did you ever have a point where you're
0: like in freaking whatever, upstate New York, you just performed in front of seven people that were talking while you were up on stage? And you, then you yeah. had to pay that money. And you were like, you know what, dude, I'm going to get a job at Mickey D's. <laughs> did you did you have that anytime? I worked at a
1: damn, fuck, I got a job uh, at doing tacos, selling mm-hmm. Mexican food to people. Mm-hmm. And I'd sold all kind of food to people over a restaurant and stuff like that. I used to sell... I sold Mexican food to people when I was younger too.
0: But did you ever have a point where you were like, "Yeah, you I know gave what? up"?
1: At that point, it was a point where I gave up.
0: Oh, you gave up on comedy at some point?
1: Yeah, I had this girl. I it was in this long term uh, relationship, and I went back to New Orleans and worked at a bar, and we was selling Mexican food to people. Above board, it was legal shit, mm-hmm. and uh, and they had a m- margarita machine in there, and I was working that bad boy, you know, and just doing what I could and and then I, some guy came in who worked next door and he said like one thing to me and it just set me off. Dude. Like
0: treated you like a chump or something?
1: Yeah, it treated me like I was somebody that didn't, it was like some rich dude, some rich, you know, secondhand generation rich or third hand generation rich, you know. Somebody, look, I'll say this, somebody in their family probably had some cotton on them, okay? <laughs> And I was more of a polyester bad boy, you know what I'm saying? I was one of those fucking, you know what I'm saying? Those synthetic fabrics, dog, okay? Racism-free, daddy, okay? So this dude, he said something, yeah, and it just—oh, and and his family partially owned the place. It was a business next door. They sold wine, like Gary V or whatever that guy's name is Jerry V mm-hmm. telling people to fucking sell their home and sleep in their yard you know what I'm saying <laughs> and that dude was raised on a damn wine <laughs> wine farm or something dude he's at there fucking you know what I'm saying, dude? Hiding grapes in his ass at night. <laughs> Freezing grapes and fucking hiding them in his ass. And he's telling people how to struggle. Dude, that guy is out of his mind. He's like, oh, damn, dude. Oh, you still have silverware in your house? Fucking sell it. And then he shows up and he'll like hug the dude. The guy can't even, he has no way to get food in his mouth, you know? The guy's fucking just knuckling through some chowder, knuckling through some bouillabaisse, And he's like, no worries, man, you made $76 last night. And he hugs him, you know what I'm saying? It's like, what the fuck and then he drives (laughs) off and the family's just standing there in a park (laughs) another winner that guy's out of his fucking mind dude and he hugs Uh, oh you sold two extra uh, christmas sweaters you didn't need from last year and they're crying uh, together (laughs) like what is going on dude um, oh, man. But anyway, I don't and look, man. I gotta give
0: some love to my boy
1: Gary v. Oh I'm sorry. <laughs> the videos, I'm not saying the guy's not a smart guy. The videos, though, and the guy it grew up well off.
0: Well, no, I think he actually didn't grow up well off. That's part of his. Oh, and that's that could part be of lying. Deal. No, you're you partially lying, but it's not really lying if you don't know. But he was, he grew up, you know, his dad owned like a corner liquor store or something. And he did, you know, he got after it and created the. Uh, but in my
1: neighborhood, a corner liquor store is the same as rich. a winery. Yeah, okay. true, true. <laughs> so if you're looking at it from
0: maybe from Theo <laughs> Vaughn's perspective, hell yeah, he grew oh, up yeah. like big time. Oh, yeah. Look at these dudes <laughs> over here, huh?
1: Slanging that re-sling. <laughs> <laughs> so this rich dude comes in. He says something to you. He said something. And that night I broke the margarita machine. I set that bitch on and broke it. And I knew that cost him probably about 600 And that was it. And I didn't go back there, man. And then I went back to L.A. And I was kind of, yeah, I, I didn't want to be re- Yeah, I couldn't commit to the relationship I was in. And I just went back to L.A. And so, and then things like I started... I don't know what happened then, but I started picking up some steam and that's when Pod some podcasting started. Mm-hmm. And um and I just was really fortunate, man. You know, my producer Nick Davis, who's a great guy, is a huge fan of yours, and so you were gracious enough to come on and Rogan had me on his podcast mm-hmm. at the same time and a couple of other little things happened where suddenly I kind of had a fan base. I don't know if there was much space in between oh, I did a Netflix special that didn't do anything. Wait, the,
0: what came out first? The Netflix the special? Netflix, yeah. Okay, so that thing came out, but it doesn't really matter. No one really notices
1: whatever. It did nothing, man. I was so excited. I remember I went to Chattanooga. I'm all fired up, and I'm thinking it's going to be packed, man. And it was a small, it wasn't even a big club, and there was nine people in there. Damn.
0: So when stuff like that happens, that's got to be tough to power through. I mean, when you're, especially with everything you've said so far tonight about Wanting people's laughter and approval and all this stuff, then you'd release a Netflix piece special. And,
1: there's, there's yeah. Not yeah. and this is. It was, <laughs> <laughs> Echo, what do you think, man? Bruh, I'll say this. For somebody named Echo, you don't
2: even repeat much, dog.
1: Oh, damn right. it all in, bro. Yeah. Oh, dude. I hate. I'm he glad we could laugh. Point. I'm glad we can laugh at this. But, like, that's, like, oh, yeah. That's painful. Oh, man. it's painful, bro. But when painful, here's the crazy thing about painful, man. When most of what you know in your life feels like painful, then I think shit like that just kind of fucking fits on the ship.
0: So you know? how are you? How are you? So for other people, right? Because other people are having their Chattanooga experience where nine people show up. They're having, you know, whatever happened in their life. What did you do? Because here is another thing: when you, you know, we're talking about Gary V and I've, I. People will assess this about me too because it's like hard work, hard work, hard work. And I just had this conversation with someone the other day. They're like, you know, at my, at my company, hard work doesn't necessarily mean you get promoted. I am like, that's true everywhere. Hard work doesn't necessarily, like, you can't just expect, oh, I'm just gonna work hard, work hard, work hard, and that, then things are just gonna happen. If that, if it was, I hate to say it, if it was that easy, a lot more people would do it. Not everyone would do hard work, but a lot of people would do it. A lot of people would start working hard. But you gotta have, like, you, I'm sure you've seen comedians along the way that were really hard oh, working. Yeah. They're sitting there, they're doing, hey, I wrote another 19 jokes tonight, and you read them, and they all suck, right? So when you get done with this Netflix special, you're all amped. Your expectations are so high. You show up, there's no one there. How do you How do you power through that? How do you get
1: through that? What do you do? I don't know. I made out with this big thick girl. I remember that. And okay, bro.
0: Can we get some like some a little bit more than thick girls making out? Okay. <laughs>
1: I mean, that's how I, you know. Okay. I'm okay. sure you've been there, dude. Being from the islands or whatever. <laughs> so yeah, man. I mean, it's like I freaking did it, you know. I remember, yeah. Well, that was the inter- that was an interesting thing about comedy clubs. It's comedy clubs just a bar. Mm-hmm. It's a bar hooked to a stage, so it's like then there was always a couple. You could always get a couple of drinks at the end of the night to kind of satiate yourself. And I was never a big drink. I'd have maybe two drinks, you know. But um, but after that, I don't know. I started to get you know I don't know really what happened I just knew that that wasn't it that Hollywood oh somebody wrote an article I remember right when my special came out and it said like uh, oh this would be Donald Trump's favorite comedian or something it was like a negative it was I think it was right around the time maybe when some of that campaigning was started or something and it was and a lot of my stuff is sarcastic like a character also it's me but it's also this it's a
0: a caricature of like yeah. where you're from and, right 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 it's a
1: mix really right and that made me really not trust any of like hollywood tabloids any of that kind of shit so and it just was so debilitating you work so hard and then somebody just does something just completely errant and aimless you know um, when you watched your own netflix
0: special were you like oh yeah or were you kind of like damn or were you neutral
1: I felt okay about it. I felt like I went too fast during the material. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was probably a little nervous and went too fast. Uh, so I never really looked back on it super fondly. Mm-hmm. But but then at that point things started to evolve and some podcasts and started going
0: from my perspective. So, I didn't know who I, I didn't and this is it's funny cuz as I was like reading about your background and trying to figure out cuz I thought you just like everybody thinks. I thought, oh, he just made it famous overnight or whatever. That's kind of, and I didn't, as I researched, I was like, oh, this dude's been doing comedy for like whatever, two decades or a long time. Yeah, about 17 a long years. Time. And I, there was a video, it was Free Connor. That little video that you made. You know what I'm talking about? Free Connor? Oh, yeah,
1: dude, with that bus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that Greyhound, dude, yeah. We just had a Greyhound driver on the podcast, man, because oh, I used legit. to go hound all the time, dude. I'd go on there. Somebody freaking, somebody's like, you want to see something? And it's always their dick on there. You know what I'm saying, bro? It's like, come on, bro. So... So do you dude the f- pull his dick out of a hat, you know, <laughs> like how do you even get your dick in a hat? You know, that's supposed to be a rabbit. Just a lot of freaking shit magicians, man, out there, bro. So I saw that
0: thing and, and it just I was dying laughing. I kind of shared it with all my friends because everyone kind of likes MMA. And here you were talking about, you know, bust and every, and, and kind of my generation did win on Greyhounds. Right. Oh, so yeah. we kind of knew. I, I don't think a lot. any in. in in California, like no one takes public transit, Not so a it's lot. different. But p- across the country, man, you've been to a Greyhound station, or y- you've seen some—you know—you've you- seen some shit, man, in your life. If you've been to Grey, <laughs> you've been to a Greyhound.
1: Oh yes, yeah. dude, I saw a lady. Drinking a can of uh, baby formula, dude. Similac, bro. Yeah,
0: you said that on that video. I didn't even know oh, what I Similac did. was. I thought it was some kind of drug. Oh, I yeah, had to Google maybe that's it. That's making me think. Of I had it. to Google it, man. So, so you did that. Uh, you go on Rogan for the first time, and this is what I wanted to say: is that when I, I think you had like a, or you have and still have like a. Like a a vulnerability and honesty about yourself that I think is really different, and I think that that is what make people make, makes people made me the first time I heard you I was like oh yeah he's not he's exposing himself you know not in, not in the way that your friends do whatever the flashers oh, yeah. are that you're hanging out with but exposing
1: yourself not exposing. hanging we're on a we're on a text like a <laughs> a you know support <laughs> chat but yes.
0: <laughs> So I think that was a, a huge thing that uh, I think pe- a lot of people connected as soon as they kind of heard you and heard you talking to Joe and and freaking Joe I mean obviously his his podcast is so massive and and he's such a good guy and you know was telling everyone oh yeah this guy's hilarious I mean I remember he told I think he told me yeah he did he was like well oh, that guy's freaking hilarious you know I was like hey dude have you seen this Similac thing or whatever oh, whatever brought funny. it up he's like oh that guy's hilarious so so then you, when did you start your podcast?
1: I started, I did a podcast with a friend for about probably two years that was about more like interviewing people that was in Hollywood. My friend worked at TMZ and we tried a podcast together. And it was fun, but I didn't get to be myself. I had to like, it was more interviewing. You know, and I didn't really like that as much. And so then, once, one day I walked out of Rogan's and I said, I need to do something more like that. I didn't know that that's, I don't think I knew until I was there and hands-on in the environment that that's the way you could do it. Mm-hmm. Even by listening, I didn't get the concept 100%. Um, and then I walked out, of it, I said, I need to do something more like that. Mm-hmm. And so I just started then, I started, one in my kitchen and just started kind of talking about stuff and things that I was thinking about. And, uh, and yeah, and it's been... Yeah, it's been a it's been a place sometimes where I share maybe more than I should sometimes and I don't realize it. Um it's been a lot of different things, man. Um sometimes it's been a blessing cuz it's the it's like the thing that keeps me going each week. It's like a guaranteed thing. You know, the longest relationship I've had in my life sometimes is with my podcast mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. It's the one thing that I'll show up for every week even um even on times I notice like where I don't feel good, like the past maybe two years I haven't felt really good. Sometimes I think physically kind of, I don't know what it is. I'm doing like a lot of blood work and doing all these different therapies and like trying to kind of figure out why I don't feel as good as I used to. I physically don't feel good. Mm-hmm. So the hardest thing sometimes is when you don't feel good to go in a, into an environment and put yourself out. It's like you almost want to hide from people you don't feel. You want to wait till you feel okay to get out there and like, you know. Uh so that's been one of the most challenging things is on weeks where I don't really feel that great to put myself out, put myself right there. It's like you just sometimes you're like, man, I don't want to see people to see me not at my best. Especially when the only thing I've always had is my own image, how you see me. It's like it it makes it real dicey sometimes. But at the same time, man, I've learned a lot about people through podcasting, you know, I'm just enamored sometimes of the people that come out and, the sweet, the, the really nice stories that they share, you know. Uh, um, and then people will share stuff with me that means something to them sometimes. Like some guy came up to me this morning at the cafe and said, hey, man, I got five years sober, you know. And, uh, and you're just so excited when you see how somebody's life gets different or better. And not that I have anything to do with that. I don't feel like I do. But just that he wants to share that with me and that he feels okay sharing it, you know. Um, things like that, man, it's, uh, that's one thing I've learned, I think, through podcasts and is really a power in con of, even though it's not real human connection, it's not the hand to hand combat of, of human connection because we're through microphones and stuff. It's been surprising to me how many people connect, you know, and how many people feel and how much feelings you can get through stuff it's it's pretty remarkable sometimes so anyway I don't really know what I'm talking about but
0: yeah it, it's interesting because you were made it you know you were joking around earlier about how you' know you're sorry you're not being funny right now on this podcast you're supposed to, and that's what's interesting about that is you you have some pretty serious stuff that you do on your podcast you have some you know you kind of sometimes you open up about stuff and how you're feeling and it maybe it's not feeling that good. And, and again, I think that people tune into that because look man, if I guess, I guess I guess you could try and like fake being funny or fake being in a good mood, but I, I don't think you can really fake it 100% where people yeah. really believe it. And I think it's better that you just be who you are and, and you know if you've got something if you're not f- if you feel like freaking depressed or whatever, then you're like, hey, this is what I feel like right now. And it makes people comfortable that there's someone, like you, who's usually funny and seems to have a pretty good life, and all of a sudden they're like, hey man, this is freaking hard right now, for whatever reason, whatever that reason right, might be. And you know, I, I think when people, just knowing that someone else is kind of like there with them, it's, it's reassuring. Yeah. And And the other thing that's interesting about this is, you've been saying this whole time, you know, that you have a hard time with relationships and long term and all this. But how long you been doing your podcast for? For maybe five years. So five years. And this is the thing about podcasts. And I have the same thing where I meet people that listen to podcasts and they feel like we have a relationship. Yeah. And they're right. Right. Because- You don't get, you don't, you don't. I mean, my podcast is three, four, five hours long. I don't freaking sit down. Now
1: I see what happened to you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you said things probably years ago and there's just not much in there. I bet if we tickle you, we'll get them out, you creep.
0: Yeah. How often do you sit down and talk to anyone? for three hours or two hours. Oh, I
1: walked out of your and I remember telling him, I said, hey, that's the longest conversation I've ever had in my life with anybody, especially with a man. You know, <laughs> Like, I didn't have any male figure. I had, you know, there was no male figures in my neighborhood. One guy shot up a ready-med 24-hour clinic and that was like the toughest dude we knew. You know, and he was on <laughs> pills, so he wasn't even really doing it out of his own heart. So, you know, we didn't have a lot of, uh, so, I think, yes, I've found more probably male influences through podcasting um, than anywhere else in my life, really, which is kind of interesting, Uh, you know, um, and sometimes, uh, yeah, I don't know, podcasting is powerful. And here's one thing that's neat, too, Jocko, is I mostly meet people who I would like to meet anyway. Mm -hmm. It's like the guy that came up to me this morning, you know, I would like to meet him in, you know, like... He was, some people, it's, <clears throat> like I did re- some reality television when I was younger, you know, for a, a couple years on TV, and I would meet people that I didn't know, they didn't see, didn't know anything about me. It's just people that see you. And that was just, there was nothing to it that meant anything, really. <clears throat> so to meet people where you, you they know you somewhat, mm-hmm. and you so you would have some common ground, you know. Uh, it's really nice, almost. It, that's one thing that's interesting, man. I feel like God has given me this weird way where it's like he He always is trying to show me that people care about me, you know, because I think for so long I didn't feel like anybody did, you know, when I was real, real young. And I'm not complaining, you know, I'm not complaining about it. I'm not – I don't need any self-pity. I don't need anything like that. Um, uh, but I do think it's fascinating how – you know, he'll send people in every, you know, every now and then somebody say something. Just something. It's like it's just slow healing of this space inside of me that was just has been uncomfortable for a long time, you know. And so there's powerful stuff like that going on, you know. So and and, and sometimes I can do that for other people. You know, I know a friend of mine. He's in the military. I think his dad had some. Well, I, I probably shouldn't talk about it. I might be talking out of shop, but. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm enjoying being alive these days a lot more because I want to see what else can unfold, you know. And I don't know if I always felt like that as a kid. I felt like more like every day was a battle, you know. Whereas now I'm like, man, every, there's, there's a lot of good stuff out there, you know. And I can be a part of it, whether it's for me or somebody else, if I can just do my best to take care of myself and keep myself I don't even have to win every day, but, dude, if I can just show up and get a strong tie, dog, you know what I'm saying? If I can even fucking tip a judge, fam, you know what I'm saying, dog, and pull out that dirty W, dog, you know, then it's possible. And I wish Darren Till wouldn't have lost, honestly. No homo, bro. Uh,
0: speaking of um, fighting, what about jiu-jitsu? Where are you at?
1: I haven't gone in probably about two and a half months. I just kept getting hurt so bad.
0: Who are you training with, man? you got to find somebody that's going to be a little bit more relaxed when they train with you, man.
1: Oh, dude, I'm training with locals, bro, dude. And I was one-stripe white belt, man. Mm-hmm. And last time I even left because I couldn't find parking, dude. So that's kind of <laughs> where I'm at right now.
0: <laughs> that's not but, a good sign. That is not a good sign. I've side. been
1: taking a lot of yoga because some of it was my flexibility. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I kept getting hurt so bad, like for me anywhere. I couldn't, like, I needed to do comedy. I was getting ready. We just taped a Netflix special. Coming out in October, this one I'm proud about. I felt excited. Um, this one is more of a reflection. I feel like of just more of a confident me as a comedian. Mm-hmm. You know. Um,
0: so what, what what goes into what goes into that? How long does it take to get ready? Well, who, who contacts you? Like what's happening? If I if if Echo Charles was going to do a Netflix special, what would it look like? How long would it take?
1: What would probably it do to Caribbean, prepare? Probably be Caribbean, I would bet. You know? No offense, dude. You could be from New York. But yeah, I would probably do, yeah, something maybe tropical, you know? Maybe some ocean sounds in the back. You know, maybe get that Vietnamese guy to go by drinking that cranberry on a skateboard. You know, I would get it kind of, you know, maybe slightly urban, you know? Maybe somebody playing, you know, maybe a dog up near a chain link fence in the back. And then if you can't tell jokes, I would sing, dude. I think people would enjoy that, dude. There's something about watching a strong man sing, dude. It's pretty powerful. It's, like, it's kind of like Jewel, but for people on steroids, you know. Stood in the rain. You're always crazy like that. Um, what'd you ask me, man? huh? Netflix
0: special. So you got a Netflix okay. special coming out.
1: So this is the what The last happened.
0: one, maybe you say you didn't feel 100% on. This one, you feel 100%.
1: This one, I feel a lot better. What about. made
0: you feel? what? How'd you prepare for it?
1: Well, one thing I had to stop doing was jujitsu because I kept my ribs kept getting cracked. So mm-hmm. I, it was just, I mean, dude, you couldn't do any yoga. So when I don't do physical things to take care of myself, I start mentally feeling bad. Right.
0: <laughs> key point, um, by the way, key point for everybody, you just heard it from Theo, if you... If you can't do physical stuff, you're going to start feeling bad mentally. Facts. So go do physical stuff.
1: Yeah, I have to. And it's not even fair for me anymore to evaluate myself sometimes if I haven't been physically active because I'm not giving myself a fair chance, really. Mm. You know, I have to be able to take care of myself. I have to be able to be thinking with a a, a brain that's, you know, healthy. So, yeah, so I noticed that. But anyway, they gave us a budget and we made. and I wanted to. I wanted to do one where I felt like this one is gonna. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do right. Mm-hmm. And I got to hire the production a production company, and I've gotten to go through the editing more, and it's been tedious. But the the months before it, I had a yoga instructor coming to my home every couple of days. Um, I was doing. I had a weight trainer. I had a weight trainer. Um, I was doing a lot of stuff to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh,
0: And then where'd you dig for the material?
1: The material, well, I'd had about six years to get some good material. The hard part was COVID. It was so fresh. In 2019, the material was ready to go. You know, it was just like a damn... I mean, it was really just like a damn newborn, like a strong newborn. You know what I'm saying? One that fucking elbow crawls out, you know, with a can of freaking go in his arm, you know? I know. You know what I'm saying? The kind of baby that beats mom home. Okay, like this thing was ready to go. This thing was 10 months in the – this thing was zygoted, baby. Uh Um, And then COVID hits. And then COVID hits. So then you have all this downtime. So I did move to Nashville, and bought, I bought a home in Nashville because the stage was still open. So I could still go and keep this material fresh enough. Uh, and then I did a couple weeks in L.A. Uh, because there's a lot of stage time there. Um, about six weeks ago, I went there for a few weeks and got it ready and then put it down and put it down in Nashville. And it was great, man. We had like 6,000 people came out. Damn, uh, that's massive for comedy, isn't it? It's pretty good, we did three shows of 2000. Oh, okay, uh, yeah, yeah. right on. Yeah, otherwise it would be too big. This venue was just kinda real perfect enough to rhyme and over there, and um, yeah, so it was good, man. Uh, And it was good, and I I involved myself more in the editing. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen a lot of the ropes, now I know when I can assert myself, and uh, sometimes I don't do it that well, sometimes I'm too aggressive. Do they record all the shows? The first one was so bad, it was like people were heckling. We built a set that literally looked like a pedophile's, uh, like a pedophile that opened a candy shop, dude. That's how it was, okay? Was uh, this on purpose? No.
2: (laughs) No, great question though. Yeah.
1: And you still don't say anything, huh? I'm just you know. Okay, well, you know, you could listen at home, man. Okay, you're making people uncomfortable. I'm just joking, bro. You seem like a nice guy. I'm just, I'm just joking because I don't have anything else. So you
0: to do. make this set, and, it, and it, like it looked
1: bad, bro. I got there, I was so angry when I saw the set. <laughs> Because I didn't make it, somebody, I paid somebody to make it. it. What was the goal of the set? It was supposed to, the back of the Ryman has these beautiful windows. And um, we wanted to make the windows on stage. These colorful kind of church, churchy, churchy Mm -hmm. kind of windows. (laughs) Yeah. man we didn't do it dude it looked like so did they change it that night it looked like a gingerbread house dude for John Wayne Gacy it was like <laughs> as if he had entered a sweet GB, GB house contest before he freaking got busted
2: <laughs> if he did it
1: you know what I'm saying a lot of if he did it um, but it was so bad bro <laughs> even the next day the guy came we called him we was like get these fucking things out of here and I took one of the widows and threw it out of the over the railing outside piece of shit I mean, a kid could have made it. it looked like a kid's <laughs> school thing. So the next night, we just went with a flat curtain, red uh-huh. curtain, and uh, and we carpeted the stage, which was a little interesting. I'd never done that. What kind of that serve to take the reflection off of the stage, so it would give us a better lighting, op- some better lighting opportunities. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then they record them all,
1: and they recorded them all. Yeah, and then you.
0: Depending on which night you did the best, you might take a chunk from here and a chunk from there. Right. That's pretty much how you put it together.
1: It's pretty much about, and yeah, you know, we just did like two thirds from one show and one third from another. Um, the crowd was much better the second night. We had to get the, tell the people to have security, you know, or just have some control over the audience and people wanted to be helpful, you know. Um, and also the uh, Netflix hit us a couple of days before and said, everybody has to have a test uh. or a PCR, you know, or whatever. P P C R, yeah. So that was and I'm just grateful to everybody that came out, whether they got a test or made a fake card, whatever the hell they <laughs> did, dude. And a lot of people went and got the test, man. And it just it's just so nice, you know. Um it just it just was it's just so nice to go spend an extra half hour of the day before you're gonna go to a show. To go and do something because you care enough, man. Um Yeah
0: well that's awesome uh when does that come out
1: it'll come out in october man and i want to say uh, before i forget man my friend josh colt is in the 527th engineer battalion
0: is mm-hmm. that term it could be okay I work go with it okay he's
1: a commander and he's um they're in kuwait and they're like working in different bases and stuff right now and uh i know he's got a family he's not around and i just want to tell him i'm proud of him man and thank uh thank that whole group for their service and uh And thank all you guys who just can't, who have to, who can't be with your loved ones, you know, because I know they miss you. And uh, thank you.
0: Right on. uh, The podcast is called This Past Weekend.
1: This Past Weekend. Yeah. We got, it's always nice, man. It's been a blessing and this whole little universe is a blessing. And thanks for coming through with those dimes you brought in last <laughs> night, huh?
0: That's my wife and daughter, bro, take it hey, easy. Bro, bro. Look, dude, I wasn't gonna call you them Because you, you, sure, right? you, you mentioned you were afraid, you've always had a paranoia about getting murdered. Oh, yeah. Oh, it yeah. could go down right now, bro. Hmm.
1: Well, look, man, if anything ever happens to you, dude, I will stay far away from them even then, I promise you that. No, beautiful ladies, it was nice to see uh Obviously, they love you, and it was just nice to see a little part of your life, man. It made me feel—it's just inspiring, you know. When I see other people doing the things that are like seem like the hardest thing for me to do, to build for my own future, it's like every time you see it, it, like, it just it makes things feel a little bit more feasible or that I know if I need help, I can ask you or I can ask other people that I know care. So it was, it was nice. I appreciate you coming out.
0: Well, it's definitely feasible. It was a great show. I appreciate you being out there. Appreciate you making everyone laugh. I can already see we're going to have to do this again. We have a little bit more time.
1: Yeah, I would love to. I'm sorry yeah. I have to go, I'm man. I'm thinking
0: five hours next time, but whatever.
1: dude, I don't know, bro. <laughs> I don't know, man. But we got. I would love to talk more about the stuff and talk more about. Um, other things. Hopefully I'll have some more uh, BJJ training when I come back. So that would be
2: something nice to talk about.
1: Awesome, man. Let's get you out of here, brother. Echo, thank you. Nice to meet you, brother. Yeah, you too. Oh, you said it, huh? Said uh, something. The,
2: the, you know how you talk, You mentioned how like you'll run into people and you'll actually have like a little bit of a connection with them? Is, do you think that, <clears throat> like you know how you share stuff openly more than a lot of people, I think? Do you think that that is an indicator that you're doing the right thing? Because um, sometimes, like, okay, so let's say if you're in the public light <clears throat> and people will approach you or whatever, I think sometimes they can, like, misrepresent who you are. They're like, oh, yeah, maybe, like, they feel like they know you. you got to podcast mm-hmm. all this stuff. And then when they – the things they say or, or they try to, like, relate to you or whatever, like, they're just way off a lot of the time, I think. Not, not necessarily oh, my yeah. experience. sometimes it can but, be. You know, but the fact that, like, a random, quote-unquote, random stranger can come up to you, and then you guys can relate, like, on a significant, like, kind of deep level or whatever. And so
1: quickly get there, that's one yeah, thing that's yeah, fascinating. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you could have a moment where you're having a real moment with somebody. Yeah. Like, a moment that makes you feel something inside of yourself.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, uh... And that's real. That, that to me, comes from somewhere else.
2: Yeah, it always, like, you always struck me as someone who's, like, so authentic. And I think that that, that is a big indicator that you're doing the right thing. If you can really, like, relate to people who you've never met before that quickly.
1: Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, yeah, I, I just... I think for feeling so disc, it's a lot of it's so new to me, feeling connection. And so it's fucking like being on a bridge that shakes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what you guys call that in, you know, or we usually call that a bridge that shakes. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. But when you say that, it, it sounds way more technical. Okay? It's sounds like people believe it. Okay. Um, but yeah, for me, a lot of that stuff is just, I'm a late. I'm a late bloomer in a lot of like kind of I think emotional kind of ways, honestly. Uh and I'm not ashamed of it or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, um but sometimes in a world where you want to be tougher, you know, it's it's uh it feels it feels tough to sometimes learn mm-hmm. later in life. Um but yeah, I think it's nice and sometimes I don't know what role God is using me for, you mm-hmm. know. Uh you know, and I just want to try and keep myself the best in the best way that I can so he can use me for the best you know like um and I really I really believe that you know and I don't mean it in a way like I'm some kind of hero or anything I just you know if I can take care of myself well I believe and I believe this for anybody that he that or you are your higher power it doesn't it could be whatever your higher power is can use you for good you know uh and we need more good out there and we need each other you know um, anyway i sound like a fucking weirdo dog do i sound like a weirdo kind of but okay it's all weird. sorry keep being you bro <laughs> no man i think
0: you. i think echo's spot on it's kind of it kind of mimics or or reinforces what i was saying earlier i think the reason that you're popular right now is because you reveal yourself because you're open and i think people you're you're a real person and I think people connect to that. And, and I think it's awesome because I think it allows people to connect to themselves. So I say keep doing what you're doing, Theo Vaughn.
1: I appreciate it, man. And I appreciate you guys having me, man. I really do. It's good. It's making me feel excited like I'm doing the right thing. Right on, brother. Gang, baby. Right. And with that, Mr.
0: Theo Vaughn <laughs> has left the building. He had to go. Bad planning on my part. He, he had a tight window. I should have got him in here earlier. Didn't didn't make that adjustment, so he had to bail. Um, but we're getting back. He's fired up to come back. Seemed mm-hmm. like we were just kind of getting into uh, some good stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So with that, it is good that Theo is you know he's on the path. Mm-hmm. He's working, trying to get better, trying to be better, trying to stay on the path. Mm-hmm. Sober, clean, fitness. What was he talking about? Yoga, like the whole nine yards
2: self assessment going on self assessment happening there was some good stuff in there actually that he just sort of like mentioned yeah and i was like wait wait wait, wait. we we could talk about i didn't want to interrupt right. obviously but there's um, when he mentioned the the thing about your behavior and your thoughts actions. like your like thoughts and actions yeah so your actions lead your thoughts lead your thoughts yeah yeah, yeah. the um, other way around doesn't
0: does i would say if i was to assess that statement I agree your actions can lead to your thoughts I would say more often than your thoughts lead to actions because let's face it gotta have some thoughts to come up with what you're gonna do yeah but there's a huge huge space Mm -hmm. between having a thought and taking action If you can close up that space you're gonna be in a lot better position
2: yeah and he and it felt like he was talking about something very specific like like basically It's essentially like take action, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than just going around in your head. And Tim Ferriss, I think, yeah, Tim Ferriss said that too, where essentially the different way to say it, but the exact same thing is like get out of your head and into your body.
0: Yeah. And he meant, and Tim mentioned that specifically around like getting out of depression. But then what Theo was saying is if he's not, physically moving and doing work physically he's gonna be in a bad place mentally
2: so yeah, yeah you're right it's, it's the, same, the same same thing same gig it's for sure unless there's a lot of stuff yes and you can follow up on the we can follow up on with you and i will be looking forward to that unless in the meantime bro we're all on this path together i no, think I, like I feel there. like it i feel like we're all sorta when we look up we see other people on the path with mm-hmm. us good feeling it's a good feeling so I was doing some thinking about the path. These, okay, so you, when you created Jocko Fuel, Mm -hmm. you essentially made the path pretty luxurious. Because think of when you think about like how it was versus how it is now, right?
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, yes, you are right. Maybe luxurious is not my favorite word. I know you maybe have that lingering in your brain from Theo Vaughn being on here because he and I had had a conversation on his podcast about luxury days right
2: yeah okay so the 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 way to put it as far as how you called it one time a couple times is efficiency efficiency yes exactly right like it's kind of like the logistics part of a of a battle or a war or something right where it's like yes oh yeah you want these cool new shoes that comfort your feet or whatever i don't know that's the first example i think of but you're like no, it's not that I need to be coddled. My feet, like if my feet are in good shape, bro, I can do a lot more running, a lot more rucking, you know, mm-hmm. a lot more marching. Yep. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So you're, you kind of took that approach yeah. to the path.
0: you'll be more efficient. Even though technically speaking, to support your perspective, if you have good, good boots mm-hmm. for rucking, yeah. they are technically will make you more efficient. And, in some way, that is somewhat luxurious compared to yes. a piece of junk boots that are or bare feet or bare feet, even
2: damn, but one could think of it in terms of well oh, this is gonna these bare feet is gonna make my feet tougher on
0: the path. You when you, you say one could think of it yeah. cuz in high school they're they're telling you you shouldn't use you the proverbial you" <laughs> in a sentence
2: sure, yeah. I think I got it from Fight Club, actually, to be honest.
0: What do they say in Fight
2: Club? I think he said on the plane, he said, one could make all types of explosives using ordinary household items. And then the other guy said, really? He's like, if one were so inclined. So it's like, I'm uh, not saying me. Uh, okay. I'm saying me, but I'm not saying well, me. Well, it's
0: interesting that's where you got because I went to college, and I studied English in college, and you you aren't supposed you – Mm-hmm. Aren't supposed to say this is. You should do this or you should do that. You are supposed to say one should say one is supposed to do this or one. so. Right, right. I don't know. To me, it, it's the language evolves. Yes, English evolves, and I think we're evolving to a point, and I think
2: I evolved to a
0: point where I say you, right, and I mean you, you, yeah. you, all of
2: you. Yes, yeah, so in in the, that's actually okay. That's kind of a good point. In general, mm-hmm. because Ben and I said this before, where it's it's baffling how good we can communicate. But when you think about this, all kind, this is the words you say, the tone, body language, blah, 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 like all this stuff is all conveying a certain message. So if you're like, hey, he goes, I'll tell you what you should do is do this, and then there's all kinds of like things that you imply when you say you. You don't really mean you should do this. You mean you one. You mean a person yeah, should do this yeah. or whatever. And I know that. But if I don't know that, mm-hmm. I'll be like, tell me what I should. You don't know what yeah, I should you and go. shouldn't do. You so know?
0: there's a re- – you have – you specifically, Echo Charles, have a really good point. And that's why the English language technically in the, the highest level, you should be – I should be saying – one should be saying one instead of you.
2: So if one – I don't even know if I use that right Right there, out of the gate, jamming it up. Anyway, if you're on the path with, you know, whether you're with somebody on the path or by yourself, or you feel like you're by yourself, it's not always going to be easy. And to make you more efficient, we're going to decrease the beatings, increase the recovery, so we can maximize gains, best way I can put it at this point. Gains with Z. Sure. The, so. Modern English. Okay. So in muscle building, right, you have the catabolic state. Do you you just mean gains? (laughs) You have the anabolic state, right? Catabolic, essentially, there's a lot to it, but is the breakdown of the muscle. Mm -hmm. Rest, nutrition induces an anabolic state, Mm -hmm. right? We want to, upside, we want to maximize anabolic state on this path. Catabolic state is part of the process as well. Mm -hmm. But that transition from catabolic to anabolic, we want that to be the luxury. We want that to be the efficient part of it. Am I right? Catabolic. No, bro. Anabolic. Catabolic is bad. (laughs) You go. Either way. Okay. There was a funny
0: guy in one of my platoons where, when he would get hungry, he'd be, you know, he'd be walking. Dude, we need to go get some food. I'm going catabolic Catabolic. right now. One of those. That's why I said it. (laughs) Leaked back out.
2: All right. Well, either way. We got some stuff for you. All right. So, Jockal Fuel. Let's talk about discipline. The energy drink. New era. New era of, of energy drinks. We no longer have to pay a price for enjoying energy drinks. Positivity. Good tasting. Positive. Uh, uh, gives you the boost mentally positive, and physically. Positive. Positive. And makes you more healthy. Positive. It's a
0: health drink. That's, you, you have something that has no downside. No downside. Which is kind of crazy. Normally, yes. everything has a trade-off. Here, no trade-off. Right. Just pu- pure upside. Just
2: Pure upside. Pure upside. Kind of like sash- salmon sashimi. Pure upside. Pure upside. <laughs> Tastes good. Good for you. Uh, you're better off. Good for you. Yeah. Yep. It's the whole deal. Pure upside. So, yes. In the can, mango. Okay. This is just my opinion. Okay. I'll admit. Mango is the best one. Straight up. Factually. Mm. Factually, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Either way. Um, either way. Also, for your joint stuff, you you don't want to have to worry about your joints. Joint warfare. Super krill oil. Also, vitamin D and cold war. This is for your immunity. So, look. When you consider that these things are taken care of on this path, you are more efficient. Yeah. More healthy. More efficient. Mental, physical boost. And as you normally
0: boost. point out, these are things you don't want to have to worry about. Correct. Right. You don't want to be thinking about your joints. You don't want to be thinking about getting sick. Yep. You
2: just, you want that stuff to be handled, handle, handle it, just handle it. That's what we're saying. Yep. It's true. Also speaking of anabolic protein, it's part of the nutrition mm-hmm. profile of gains as it were. So milk, additional protein in the form of a dessert. Another one of these up win, win, win scenarios. Upside, no downside. Upside, upside. Tastes good. All upside. You know, all this stuff. Tastes yes, good. Exactly. Is right. good. Good for you. Just upside across the board. Exactly right. And don't forget about Jocko White Tea if you're into tea, the OG, or the original. Or if deadlifting, deadlifting as well. Yes, for sure. So yes, you can get all these things at the Vitamin Shop. Energy drinks you can get at Wawa, of course, and also everything is on JockoFuel.com.
0: Hey, also if you wanna, if you want this stuff to come to your house all the time without having to think about it, if you want that taken care of, so if you subscribe to any of these things, then we'll ship it to your house for free, which is amazing. And yes. it might be not be seem amazing in this day and age, because there's some really big companies in the world that do this, mm-hmm. but it is amazing that you could, without ever thinking about it again, sure. have super krill oil, mulch, joint warfare, discipline go, showing up at your house, you never thought about it again. You ne- It just happened. Yep. What a miracle. Yep. What an amazing thing. <laughs> Subscribe.
2: Yep, and life is full of these little mar- miracles from time to time. Speaking of miracles, Origin USA, American-made stuff. And when I want to say stuff because there's a lot of stuff. There's jiu-jitsu stuff, all made in America. Gee, jeans, rash guards. Yep. jeans, compression. boots, compression stuff. Um, originusa.com, go there. All the stuff on there is American-made, from the cotton that's grown all the way up until the final product that's a miracle too in, my opinion. <laughs> in this day and age it is a
0: miracle yep. in this day and age it is a miracle to put something on your body that is 100% without compromise made in America and it's the best thing you could possibly buy anyways yeah talk about upside yep. get the best gear support America support American workers this Is upside across the board yeah we're working on big time upside
2: that's what we're doing no downside. Yeah. Speaking of upside, so I do have my first pair of Delta 68 jeans. Uh, mm-hmm. Finally realized. Yeah, so here's what that did with the, you know, you know how like, you, you, what do you call it? When you build something up in your mind, mm-hmm. finally when it comes, you have this, you know, it, did it measure up or right. did it not? You have the
0: high expectations.
2: Yep. Okay. So did it measure up? Here's the thing. it did, They do measure up. In fact, they more than measure up. Because you know how like you'll say, okay, they kind of have a stretch to them. Mm-hmm. Cool. They have a stretch to them. But when I, since I don't really have any stretchy jeans or any jeans with a stretch to them, no. I don't really know what that even means when I put them on, you know? But it's nice. <laughs> it's good. It's like, in fact, it's hard to go back now. Oh, there is no going back. you're saying? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, dang. Impressive. I didn't know so much could go into jeans. I knew stuff goes into jeans. I understand.
0: What's weird is you, you. it's hard to understand how much better something could be. Yes. It's hard to imagine if you don't know, you just don't know. It's yeah. hard to imagine how much better they can be than a normal pair of jeans. Yeah. And again, to be made in America with American cotton yep. and American buttons.
2: Yep. American hands, as it American were. American hands. <laughs> exactly right. So yes, originusa.com. That's the spot right there. Also, Jocko's store. It's called Jocko store. So you go to jockostore.com, and this is where you can get Trying to think of a more interesting way to to properly convey the cool stuff you can get, but at the end of the day, you can just get your T-shirts, hats, hoodies that represent the path. I think that's the best way to put it. Just plain equals freedom. Good. Take the high ground, or the high ground will take you. Some good stuff. That's on a T-shirt, that. by yeah, the way. Is yes, what you're
0: saying? Yes, sir. Hey, subscribe to this podcast. And we also have some other podcasts. We've got Jocko unraveling with Daryl Cooper. We got the Grounded podcast. We got the Warrior Kid podcast. Theo Vaughn has a podcast. Check it out. It's called This Past Weekend, and he talks about stuff. And it's both funny and revealing, and could help you. Yeah. I like listening to it, so check that one out.
2: We're um, me and Carrie were talking during the break mm-hmm. where Theo has this pretty unique quality about him where he's like funny but he's so authentic and open about the even not so funny parts of you know and I think some people they'll try to do this and they'll try to like quote unquote pull it off but they lack the full authenticity. So they
0: try and pull off the authenticity.
2: Yes, and which is kind of a, what do you call it, a catch-22. Mm-hmm. Like if you're trying to pull off authenticity, that That's not in no and of itself makes it not right. authentic. Yeah, exactly right. But <laughs> Theo is like a, a naturally, well, it seems natu- like he's a naturally authentic person. It
0: sounds like from what you're saying, though, he wasn't always like that, and he had to sort of open up about it over time.
2: Okay, so, and this is what we were talking about, where a lot of times where if you have the being funny to people legitimately is it's kind of like a superpower like you can essentially bestow one of the best feelings onto a person and make them laugh right that's one of the best feelings you can ever have is like laughing legitimately mm-hmm. and you have that as a superpower you're just a funny person right so a lot of people um, whether they have like internal issues or not that starts to become the the front-running quality where they're always pushing that forward you know they're always leading with that leading with that and it's always successful meanwhile the other stuff on the inside gets protected Mm -hmm. you know so anytime someone feels awkward or anytime someone feels vulnerable even scared or whatever anything that they don't like they can just boom they can bust out the comedy and they'll be protected in fact they'll get a payoff from it they won't just be protected you know um but after a while, the stuff on the inside becomes more and more sensitive, you know, where if, if it, even if it's exposed this much, it's like, whoa, the reaction is a little bit a lot stronger, you know. But Theo does a good job in like opening up and exposing that a little bit. And at the end of the day, as an audience, well, if I'm speaking for myself, it's kind of like you just like him more.
0: Yeah. No, he's a very likable guy. And he part of the reason that he's likable is because he is like that, like what you're saying. And he, I even the. Last night I went and saw him do his, do a a comedy stand up routine. Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw him do it. And and what's cool is like you could see, he's not, um, like he's, he's, real up there. Like he's saying something. He'd be like, oh, I don't even know why I'm saying. You know yeah. what I mean? He's like, I don't yeah. even know why I'm saying this. Yeah. He did it a couple times today. He's like, yeah. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. He did yeah. that a couple times. you yeah. like, okay, well. At least we know that we're getting the real a real person. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. not just a big memorized script that, you know, where it's all a big uh, front. Yeah. Right? We don't want the front.
2: Yeah, like a lot of times if you're just talking with your friend and you go off on some tangent or something, that's the kind of stuff you're going to say to your friend, you mm-hmm. know, or your friends behind closed doors, you know, just like in, in your oh, own yeah, little yeah. environment. Be like, Ah, oh, shoot. Sometimes I don't know what I'm talking about. You know, but he's like so open with that. And I don't mean open like he's like making this huge effort to be open. No, no, He's no, just no. naturally. Just natural. It's like yeah. It's just like, He's a it's good, just good guy,
0: man. I've, I've spent some time with him, and uh definitely a really good, authentic, nice, funny guy, man. I, I really like him a lot. I'm glad he was able to come on. Yeah, uh, you know another podcast that there is out there? Mm. It's called Jocko Underground This is the one where, in the event of contingencies happening, where the world goes crazy, er. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> let's face it, the world's getting a little crazy right now. Let's say it gets crazier and they either start, I don't know, maybe they start injecting advertisements into the middle of this podcast or they start, maybe they start banning parts of this podcast. I don't know what they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. I, I do know this, right now everyone's being pretty cool yeah. to us, but there might come a time where they where they say, hey, we don't want you to do that or we you're gonna follow our rules. So we have a contingency. Mm-hmm. In, in, in the event that ha- that happens, we have a place to go, com. We're building it. If you want to join it, you can go to com. It costs $8.18 a month. And for that price, you give us all a little bit of security in case the contingencies come. It's like an insurance policy against podcast apocalypto. And if that comes, a lot of podcasts will be like, well, I guess you're just going to have to listen to an advertisement about a freaking mattress for- Yep. Seven minutes yep. We're not gonna put you into that podcast apocalypto. We're gonna be there just doing what we're doing yep. So we appreciate that if you can't afford that and you still want to be a supporter You can email assistance at jocko underground that way you can get You can get into the underground, which is where you want to be we got a YouTube channel, too, by the way
2: yep. It's true verified by the way for the video version of this podcast. You want to see what Theo looks like? If you don't know, mm. well, I think a lot of us already know. But if you don't know, boom, you can see that. Um, video podcast is increasingly becoming kind the of norm- the way to mm. to 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 you know to, to watch, listen to the podcast. So yeah, we have a YouTube channel for that. Recently. It's
0: called Jocko Podcast. This is the name of the YouTube channel, correct? Correct. And Origin USA also has one. If you want to see what's going on behind the scenes up there. I also have an album, believe it or not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's almost like, I made an album. You yep. made it. Yep. We we made Collectively it. Collectively made it. You sure. kind of made it though. I just talked.
2: Yes.
0: Anyways, if you want to get through maybe a temporary moment of weakness, yep. you can press play on your MP3 player of choice and you can listen to Psychological Warfare.
2: Yep. It's
0: good on. Give you a little boost. Give you a little help getting through that thing. It's true. It's also a good way to support Flipside Canvas. You want to hang something on your wall? A a a graphic image that says good. By the way, you can go and buy a fake one from you know one of these various places.
2: Various fake places that are just
0: jacking. Yeah, they have the whole good thing written out. They sell it on a T-shirt. They sell it on a print. And and I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about them. Plurally because there's a lot of people. Yeah, yeah it is weird super whack
2: I, a lot of times those though You can all you got to do is think for one second just think for mm-hmm. one second Like would, would they really sell this, you know, and then call it this it makes very little sense Oh, So you're
0: saying it's easy to see through the the fake all
2: you got to do is pause for one second mm-hmm. and you can see it real quick It'll say a oh, Navy SEAL Jocko Willink motivational shirt. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. bro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Yeah, and that's what it's they, so it's like, whack. man,
2: and they're on these, like, you know, if you're going to whatever freaking .NET thing that yeah. you never heard of, But and there's some like that a you've heard of, too.
0: There's some that you've heard of, like that may, that sell these various T-shirts and mm-hmm. posters and whatnot.
2: Yeah, the only Jocko shirts, official, the only place you can get them is jockostore.com. I can't think of one single other place you can get them. Oh, if you come into Victory MMA and Fitness, you can That's get true. one here too. That's true.
0: Uh, so so check that out. And if you want something to hang on your wall, like a like a picture, poster, Dakota Meyer, this is his company, man, flipsidecanvas.com. Go check that out. Hang some cool stuff on your wall. Books, got a bunch of books. Final spin. I don't know what to tell you. We're not even sure. I'm not even sure. You know, Excuse. you know, you 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 put something out there in the world. You don't know what the reaction the reaction of the world's going to be. Might be good, might be bad. So far, we're doing pretty good. Deb, sure,
2: Deb, Hell Deb,
0: yeah. she's she was she was moved. Let's put it to you that way. Makes Final sense. spin. I got that book coming out: Leadership Strategy and Tactics Field Manual, The Code, The Evaluation the Protocol, Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual, Way of the Warrior Kid One, Two, Three, and Four. Get the book for the kids that you know. Just get them on the path. Mikey and the Dragons, if there's a little kid you know, get them that book, About Face by Hackworth. I wrote the forward on the new version, and Extreme Ownership and the Dichotomy of Leadership that I wrote with my brother Leif Babin. We also have Echelon Front. It's a leadership consultancy, and we solve problems through leadership. Go to echelonfront.com for details on that. You can also come to one of our live events. We have the muster, we have field training exercise, we have EF Battlefield. The next muster is in Las Vegas. It's October 28th and 29th. So if you wanna come check that out, we will see you there. We also have an online training situation. Extreme Ownership Academy online leadership course. We just, we just recorded a bunch of new leadership courses. So check that out. It's like going to the gym, man. You don't, get good, you don't get in shape one day in the gym. You don't become a good leader one book that you read. You gotta to go to the gym. ExtremeOwnership.com. Come check out the Leadership Gym. And if you wanna help service members active and retired, their families, gold star families, check out Mark Lee's mom. Mama Lee, she's got a charity organization. And if you wanna donate or you wanna get involved to what she is doing to help out, then go to AmericasMightyWarriors.org. And if you want more of my dreary divulging or you need more of Echo's extraneous assertions you can find us on the interwebs on twitter on the gram on facebook echoes at echo, echo charles i am at Jocko willing and theo vaughn well he is at theo vaughn and thanks to theo vaughn for coming on the show thanks for making us all laugh there's plenty of darkness in the world and i know sometimes he shares some of that darkness but in doing so he brings some light and laughter as well so thank you Theo Vaughn, and to all the folks out there in the Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines that are right now, right now, while we're sitting in this air-conditioned podcast thing, there there are folks right now out protecting our way of life, and we thank you for it. We could not do what we do without you doing what you do. And the same goes for police and law enforcement, firefighters, paramedics, EMTs, dispatchers, correctional officers, Border Patrol, Secret Service, and all first responders. You protect us here at home. And again, we couldn't do what we do without you doing your jobs every day. So thanks to you all as well. And thanks to everyone else that's listening. And listen... We got struggles in life. We got them. And it can be a scrap. It can be a fight. It can be painful. And it can be a battle. But the battle will be a little easier if you have some fun. So when you can, don't take it all too seriously. Crack a joke. Have a laugh. And then go out and do what you need to do. Which is, of course, continue to get after it. And until next time, the Zecco and Jocko out.